We are in a series in 1 Thessalonians where Wade and I are sort of walking through um, 1 Thessalonians and looking at how the gospel presents itself to us from Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. And so this is the fourth message in that series. And if you have been tracking, Wade just finished a series that we had also been doing on the benefits of the resurrection and the ascension of of Jesus. And so he finished that last week at our family service, which we do about every six weeks, have everyone in here, the kids, everyone. And Wade was talking about how Jesus uh, has ascended. Because he's ascended to the Father, he will come again as the King of Kings. And so we looked at uh, Jesus as, as our King of Kings, and I think um, there were Burger King crowns that you still may have, some of you at home. Um, so this week, number four in the series in First Thessalonians, we're at the very end of chapter two in First Thessalonians, and we're going to look at chapter three, which is pretty short, to be fair. Um, the, the things we've looked at, to recap a little bit, and I'm not going to... You can go online and hear all the sermons. Uh, IGC's got a really great setup for all the sermons. They're all there for you if you'd like to listen to those. In fact, I had not been here when Wade preached the last sermon on First Thessalonians. So I, this week, went and listened to Wade's sermon on First Thessalonians that he was doing it uh, out of chapter 2. And um, was really blessed by it, actually. So we've been looking at First Thessalonians, and we've talked about things like the gospel, when it came to the church... Uh, in, Thessalon- in Thessalonica, one of the things that Paul's writing back to them is that uh, as believers, we are to imitate Jesus. And I spent a little time talking about what it looks like to imitate Christ in our individual lives and then as a body of believers. Paul also reminds them that the gospel means that we drop our idols. And I talked about what that could mean uh, as far as in today's world, the kind of idols that we might have as people. Then we were looking at leadership. Um, I talked about a trajectory of leadership out of uh, chapter 2, and then actually Wade's sermon continued that topic of leadership. What does it look like to be a leader in the church, in your own sphere of influence, in your life? Um, So we've had two parts on leadership. Uh, Wade's sermon, uh, one of the things I'm just going to bring in that I I loved is Wade talked about from the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that oftentimes as leaders, wherever you're leading, whether it's in church, in your workplace, uh, in your families, that often it's torchlight work. And what Wade meant by that was uh, there's a lot of things that leaders do that no one ever finds out about as far as helping things along. And you may not have known it. The behind the scenes things that you may be doing thanklessly. No one's thanking you. No one knows about it. You've done this or that. And for church ministry, it can, I mean, if you're serving kids and loving kids, you may not really get the thanks that you really deserve for caring for, sharing the gospel with kids at a small church, but that is leadership, and that is what, uh, so much of what Christ has done for us. We're unaware, even today, uh, of what he really has done for us. So just that reminder that as believers, the gospel gives us all the grace by the Spirit, even for those uh, torchlight leadership moments where it seems like it's just in the dark. No one's watching, and we're trying to do our best to follow Christ and to lead others. So um, speaking of Wade, last week he announced something about me. I'm not going to remind you. You can listen to the sermon to find out what that is. But I'm going to announce something about him this week, and uh, that is that uh, Wade's been serving a couple of weeks ago, I think, was the anniversary of his 11th year of being pastor, a pastor here at Indelible Grace Church. Is, is Wade even here? He was here. Um, I think that that's something. So when you see Wade, 
you make sure you tell him uh, your, how grateful you are that he's here. And, you know, 11 years pastoring is, I mean, it's a little bit like dog years. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a blessing, but it, it's a long time. And so that um, says a lot about, about him. And, and also it says a lot about your love for him, too, and his family. So make sure you give great love and, and care to Wade 11 years pastoring at IGC. All right, so uh, today's text uh, if you would stand, I'll go ahead and read it for us. It's out of First Thessalonians chapter 2, the very end, picking up in chapter 3 as well. This is God's most holy and infallible word, starting in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For we were with you, we kept tell, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as, as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face, see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. As we just take a few moments, by your spirit, would you transform our lives? May your spirit, the gospel, your word, really bring about the change that we need individually and as a church here at Indelible Grace Church. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. So, title of the sermon is The Power of You. And um, I've been getting across some of my social media, uh, this kind of message, and I don't know if y'all hear this a lot in culture now, kind of a trend, is um, the thought that, it's it's this concept, that you need to do you because no one's watching you. No one cares about what you're doing. It's all you do yourself. No one's watching you. So whatever it is that's paralyzing you, you've got to get yourself out of it or deal with it because, again, no one's watching you. No one cares about what you're doing. And that also can bring paralysis, right, when people are concerned that everyone, oh, if I did that, everyone's going to be worried that I did this or that. The concept across social media seems to be that, no, you don't need to worry about what you're, what you're ordering in Starbucks. No one cares. No one's watching you. And you know what I mean? And it's supposed to be kind of a comforting thing and kind of an encouragement and an exhortation for you to just go and live your life because no one's watching. 
And I mean, on some level, that seems maybe true. Like, you know, we're all so busy. We have our families. I'm thinking as I even look around this room this morning, there are people who've had new babies. There's, there's a lot going on in our church family and in the world, in your jobs. So, yeah, you're like, I, got, I, I can't think about anybody else but what I've got in front of me. So, yeah, I'm not thinking about anybody else. But, but is it, I'm going to push back on it, at least as I'm looking at this text, what the overarching message of the text that I just read is that Paul is very impacted by the church. This group of Thessalonian believers, he, I mean, all through the text, it's you've done this, you, your faith, you, you. And that's why I'm calling it the power of you, because Paul was very powerfully impacted by the church. This church meant a lot to him. He was watching them. He was concerned about them. He was looking at them. And they were looking at him, and they cared about his ministry. And so, on some level as believers, maybe the culture's wrong here, that it does matter what we do. I mean, it, it has to matter on some level what we do. And what we say, and what we order at Starbucks, and all the decisions we're making, and how we're living our lives. If if what social media is trying to say is, look, no one cares, you just do you, I, I just don't think so. I think it does matter. And it it we impact each other greatly. I mean, if if that weren't the case, then it's a wonderful life. That movie doesn't really matter, you know. Have you all seen that movie? Okay, yeah. I mean, there, there's the scene where, you know, George is in the cemetery and he's at his brother's grave. You know, the angel took him there and Clarence is the angel and t- takes him there. And, you know, he's looking at Harry's grave. He's like, this is a lie. You know, he went, Harry went off and saved so many people in war. And the angel's like, no, you weren't there to save Harry. So he couldn't Save all those people. See what, right? That scene is one life hits one life hits another life and then a whole community and the world is impacted, right? I mean, is, it's a wonderful life just so old and out of date and it's the only, you know, no. Because the truth is, and it's a biblical truth, that one life affects one life, affects other lives, affects many lives across the world. Your life matters. You matter. What you do, what you say, what I say, what I do matters. So that's what I really think the big message of this text. There's other messages in this text. It's God's word. It has an infinite number of messages that the gospel can be re-brought to us. But today I'm just, Paul is reminding us that the church matters, that we as individuals in the body of Christ, we matter. So I just want to look at this a little, unpack it a little bit from the text. You're like, good, would you get to the text? Yeah, I, yes. I want to unpack it a little bit from the text. I'm only going to hit two things. And one, oh, and I wanted to remind you all that, you know, Paul is addressing an issue that was going on in the church uh, in, Thessal- in Thessalonica, and that issue was that there were some who didn't think Jesus was coming back very soon, and so they were living their lives as he would never return, and then there were others who thought he was coming back right now, and so they quit their job and were kind of couch surfing, right? So he's trying to address, look, Jesus, we don't know when he's coming back, so you need to be ready. So that is the message of First Thessalonians. Be ready for the return of Jesus as a church, as individuals. Get right with Jesus Christ because he's coming. 
And this text uh, that I read in verse 19 talks about at the coming of Christ. And at the end of chapter 3, it ends with at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So you see that theme that Paul's trying to press. Jesus is coming. And we need to be thinking about that. So that's there for sure. But I want to look at a couple things uh, by way of the power of the church to impact Paul's life. And the first is that they were Paul, this church, he says, you guys, at the coming of our Lord, you are, you are who I'm boasting in. You're, you're my joy, my crown, my hope, my glory. This church, Paul says, you guys are everything. You're, you're my glory. You're who I can boast in. I don't have, I mean, Paul says a lot, like in Ephesians, like, I don't have anything to boast in but the Lord. But he's saying, if I have anything to boast in in the coming of Christ, it's you guys. You're my boasting, my joy, my crown. You know, Paul was this, he had equivalent of three PhDs. He, uh, you know, was converted on the road to Damascus as he was heading to persecute Christians in Acts 9. He was a very emotional person. And um, as harsh as he can seem in some letters, Paul was very impacted by the Gentile church. He was impacted greatly by, by the people that he met in the Gentile world where he did three missionary journeys. Um, if you have your Bibles, look back at Acts chapter 20, um, where we can see Paul's emotion around the impact of people in his life. If you go to Acts 20, right at the end, just... I'm trying to point out here that Paul was deeply impacted by every single person and every place he went and all the churches that God gave him the ability to plant. At the end of chapter 20, starting verse uh, 26 of Acts 20, and Acts is where you see all of Paul's missionary journeys and where the letters that he wrote kind of match up. But here he was leaving the Ephesian church. He was leaving Ephesus. And it says in verse 36 of Acts 20, and when he, Paul, had said these things, and what he had just said was, I'll probably never see you guys again. So he's leaving the Ephesian church, and he says, um, after he said these things, he knelt down, this is verse 36 of chapter 20 in Acts, and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied, accompanied him to the ship. The only point I'm trying to make here is that Paul's life was people. Paul's life was the church. You're like, well, that's yeah, easy for Paul. He was a church planter in the Gentile world. That was what God called him to do. I don't think... Paul's unusual. I think Paul is the way we all should be, impacted by all those that God has us around. Whoever it is in your life that he's put you with, a church, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, these are your people. These are the ones that you need to be emotional about, that you need to allow God to make them your joy, your crown, your glory in the Lord. Yes, I guess Paul's... I think really showing us as he brings all this uh, angst, this joy, um, this emotion around the people of God in the Thessalonican church is who, who, are, who are your joy and crown? Who, who are those people in your life that you're just pouring matter into them? You're pouring life, content, your life into them who will be your boast 
on the day of the Lord. You know, so who are those people that you're doing that? And then are you, are you those people for someone else? I would dare say that when Jesse and Jessica get here, that as, you know, he pastors along with Wade and continues leading and you're going to be a joy and a glory for, for him and his life because you as a church are marvelous. I'll keep telling you that reminds you. Um, you're a beautiful church. So think about, um, as you go about your life in ministry at the church and your, your life that look for people that you can matter to because you do matter. What you say to them, how you live your life around them, it matters. And people, the souls of men and women and God's word are really the only thing that lasts. Right? People, God's word, those are the everlasting things Jesus reminds us. And to think about it, you church, us, we are Jesus's joy and crown. We're his people. So we matter and people matter. So according to this text, how, how is it that the people of God here for Paul, how is it that they truly matter to him? What was the power that they brought? Well, the text reminds us that for this reason, brothers and sisters, in verse 7, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Right? Now we live if you're standing fast. But what really did it, so their faith. But before that, in verse 6, he says, now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love. So, the things that really matter in impacting people for Paul here, for the Thessalonian church, it was the church's faith and love. That's what impacted Paul. It's like, I hear the report from Timothy. He's come and I now know. And I live because you're standing in faith. And it's faith and love, he says, that brings him encouragement. So if you want to be a person, a believer, that has influence in other people's lives, in the church, around you, faith and love, according to this text, are two qualities, two things that you want in your life. Faith and love. And as believers, if you've been around the church, those are pretty two boring words. Like faith, love, really? They're so generic. They seem so generic, right? What, what does that mean? What does Paul mean? And of course, we know Paul unpacks faith in places. He unpacks love in places, what that really means. So in the final moments of my sermon, I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking what if if the power of us is faith and love in the world and in the church, that's the power that we have in the gospel to each other and to the world around us. Let's unpack what faith and love in the gospel, what, what does that look like for us? This is the application part. So, interesting, we were in uh, prayer time at 10 this morning, and my wife was leading that time, and she had us look at Hebrews 11, chapter 11. You can turn there in your Bibles or on your phone, Hebrews chapter 11. She had us look there as we were uh, praising God and spending some time in prayer, and it's actually what the kids are going to be talking about in uh, in her class, I think, this morning, is Hebrews 11. And if you're familiar with Hebrews 11... What is Hebrews 11? I mean, it's kind of the 
faith chapter, right? It's the faith chapter. It's where uh, the author of Hebrews, which many commentators think it's Paul, we're not exactly sure, but the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 unpacks by faith, by faith, and he defines faith. So if you're looking with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then the text goes on in verse 4 of chapter 11. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Verse 6 of chapter 11. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then in verse 8 of chapter 11, by faith, Abraham. And then the author lays out Abraham's life of faith. And then in verse 13 of chapter 11 in Hebrews, these all, including Abraham, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from uh, but having greeted them from afar and having acknowledged them that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's verse 13. So this is the faith chapter. These are the people that lived out faith. Verse 16. I want to keep going. But as, that, but as it is, these desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. And by faith, Abraham. And he goes on to say more about Abraham in verse 23. In verse uh, chapter 11, verse 23, by faith, Moses. And they lay out Moses' life. And at the end of the chapter, in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. All those who lived by faith. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. This is verse 39. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, these are the ones that we are heralded to look at. These are the faithful ones. Their faith. But I think we want to throw faith around, and even, I believe, the world throws the word faith around. Keep the faith. I think that's a song. Um, popular song in the 90s, but faith is thrown around. Faith for a Christian, for you and me this morning, for you to have power in your life. The faith that you and I have has an object. And that object, what's, what's the, I mean, because it's not just faith in faith, is it? In fact, Chapter 12, right after the faith chapter, Hebrews 11 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great faith cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who is the object of our faith? Jesus Christ. So we are commended by this chapter of Abraham's and Moses and Deborah's and Samson's and all of these faithful ones, Samuel's, were commended. Look, they were looking to Jesus as we also now are looking to Jesus. And so our faith's object is Christ. 
in Him alone. So if you want to impact people, if I want to impact people, the way to do that is by remembering the object of your faith, Jesus Christ, and all the witnesses who surround, right? Reminding us to run with endurance this race. All right, so briefly, the, so that's the faith in Christ that Paul is reminding us uh, will bring the impact into the world that we long for. And then what about love? This, this love that Paul says has impacted him from the Thessalonian church. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, we've looked at pretty recently uh, as a call to worship, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 on your phone or if you brought your Bibles, I know it's Bible drills, isn't it, huh? So... This is also the love chapter. We have Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. We have 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Uh, I think, Sammy, you might have been the one who did this call to worship when we were doing 1 Corinthians 13 as a call to worship uh, a few weeks ago. And this text is often read at weddings, uh, even weddings that aren't Christian weddings. So the world loves this particular text about love. But again, the object always of our love as believers is Christ. So look at these verses in the uh, first part of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men, says Paul, and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, don't let this be lost on us. Paul is going to great extremes here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, Any of you ever spoken in the tongues of angels? Even if you're one of those who believes that the Spirit brings about a sort of of tongues in the church, this is the tongues of angels. That's something else. That's, That's amazing. Paul says, even if you speak in those languages, in the in something that's we don't even comprehend or understand. Or if you understand all mysteries. All mysteries. If can you imagine understanding even a, a few mysteries? I don't. I can't say I understand any mysteries in the world. I mean, there are so many things that I, I have no idea why it's happening. I mean, most of the things that come across my Instagram, I have no idea why any. It's all a mystery to me. Like, well, you're old, Tom. Well, I mean, isn't it a mystery to you guys too? Like, what is happening? Paul says, but if you have that, if you understand all mysteries, you know. If you're the David Goggins of the world, you know, like, if you understand everything, Paul says, you have all knowledge. If you have all faith, better than the faith chapter people, you have all faith. So it's to remove mountains. But if if you don't love, it's huge. He says, it's nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body, this is verse 3, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is the love that Paul's talking about that he's seeing in the church. Your faith in love, the faith like the prophets, those of old who are looking to a Savior, you too. And now your love, like this. Love is patient. Now he's getting to what it really is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This is phenomenal. This is why we read these things at weddings. I don't know why we read these things at weddings, because, I mean, these are, these are hard things. Maybe that, 
Yes, I do know why. We want to love our spouse this way. But here's the thing. This is how Christ loves us. He's the one who's patient and kind. He's not envious or boastful. He's not arrogant or rude. He doesn't insist on his own way. He's not irritable or resentful. Christ is not, he's not rejoicing over wrongdoing. He rejoices in the truth. He bears all things in us. And then by his spirit, he continues to bring about love in us as well. So, going back to 1 Thessalonians, Paul is greatly impacted by his church, by the church here. And you matter. Your faith in love, the way you love in your life matters. And the way your faith grows and increases is by the gospel, is, is by Christ, the object, and also by the love of Christ, his love for you which is exactly the way 1 Corinthians says it is. It's, it's never-ending. It bears all things. Maybe that's what you came to hear this morning, is that you are so loved in Christ. And you're like, Tom, I, I don't feel like I'm impacting anyone. I can barely look outside myself today. I can barely look outside my own family right now. I can barely look outside what's happening at my work. Never fear. The God of the universe sees you. You matter to Him his spirit is with you. You have, you have his body, the church. Never forget that you have one another in faith and love. And you, church, Noble Grace Church, you are Christ's joy and crown. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word and for the real person that Paul was, that he could express emotion in your, in your, through your word about your people. Lord, would you give us some emotion about the church, about those you put in our lives to love, to care for, to care about. And Lord, remind us that you see us today. Lord, some of us really don't feel seen at all. Remind us that you see our faith rooted in you, that you see our love. That is because you've loved us first. Lord, as we come to the table, as we come to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, would you reinvigorate us through, through your love, reinvigorate our faith that we might love well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.